Welcome back to Get Outside With Kids with Jen and Kate, the podcast where we're helping you have more amazing adventures and fun times outside with your kids. And Jen, I want to take you right back here to the newborn stages. I want to think of you at as a new mum with a two-month-old baby. Can you picture it? What's going through your head? Oh my you gosh. and a two-month-old baby. So tiny. And you're like, just learning how to literally get out of the house at that point. Like you maybe have mastered walking around the block and feel competent just doing that at two months. You know, everything's still just so, they're so fresh still. So wrinkly and fresh. Milk everywhere. And like, I was like a really sweaty new mom, like super sweaty. And like still, I mean, if you've carried the baby, you have, you know, your body's gone through some really weird changes. You're like, what is going on? You're not sleeping. You might be very emotional from hormones. Now, Jen, I want to picture, can you picture deciding to move across the world to a new country to live when you have a two-month-old baby. Can you imagine that? No, I cannot imagine that. That sounds like a horror story, to It be does honest. sound hard, hey? <laughs> yeah, it sounds absolutely <laughs> terrible. But that's what our guests on the show uh, did. And we're going to hear from them of what that was like to move literally probably to the opposite point of the world, like a very obscure place in the world uh, due to, you know, job arrangements and things like that. Um, and I was telling Kate, you know, as, as we were kind of lamenting here, like, our very first trip with our oldest child, who was four months old at the time. So, you know, kind of still in that newborn stage. Like we packed so much ridiculous gear. We were totally those new parents who had, we bought everything. Like his, the entire bedroom for this tiny, tiny baby had more gear than we did. Like me and my husband shared one large suitcase and the baby had an entire other large suitcase. Just for, for the himself. baby. And the baby clothes at that point, like we were going to Mexico, it was warm weather. We packed like, I was literally like, they'll need five outfits a day and we will never wash anything. So I'll just pack every outfit we have. Like, why? First of all, you can do laundry in Mexico. Spoiler alert, they have laundry there. And secondly, a tiny baby doesn't need that many outfits, especially if you're going to a warm place like Mexico where there might be a little bit of pool time. It was just, we were totally those clumsy new parents who just thought we would just pack every single contraption you could possibly imagine. Uh, So I'm looking forward to getting some travel tips about what you should pack, what you can leave Mm -hmm. behind. Um, And really, if you're you're looking for that first trip and it might be It might be a a move to the middle of the ocean or it might be a move down the street um, and just how you can kind of get started with those things. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the challenges with traveling overseas with babies and toddlers and and then older kids is it's not a frequent occasion for for most of us. We're not traveling enough to get into a kind of groove with it, particularly if you've had kids through COVID, um, you know, and you definitely got out of the groove of traveling. And so, it's hard to know. You really need to look at people who are a bit more experienced and have traveled a lot with their kids. Anthony and Kristen are that tonight. They have lots of experience traveling with kids. They've got a great blog where they put all this stuff together. So, I think you're really going to enjoy the tips that they have here and you can learn from their experiences. You can learn from their mistakes um, and you can have some amazing trips uh, with some of their tips. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, and welcome back to Get Outside with Kids. We're super excited to have Anthony and Kristen on with us tonight, joining us, both of them on the podcast, which is always super fun. Uh, So thanks for joining us. And where are you guys right now? You guys are usually traveling, but are you guys on a a little travel break right now? Or where are you joining us from? We're living the normal life here in uh, warm and sunny Minnesota. 
And by warm and sunny, he means 40 degrees and cloudy. <laughs> oh, nice. Spring. <laughs> yes. Yeah. A normal Minnesota spring. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you guys are back in Minnesota right now, but obviously we connected over some of your many, many adventures that you have taken with your kids and you guys have lived abroad for a number of years. And what really caught my eye is I traveled quite a bit before having children, did the whole backpacking thing. I lived in Australia for a year, backpacked all over, but I haven't quite been as ambitious uh, since having children in my lives. But I love that you guys seem to have um, kind of carried on that evolutionary of travel. And maybe we'll just jump right into how did it get started? Like, how did this travel book happen uh, since you had children? And what was kind of the, the impetus for that first trip? So the first trip was a big one. While Kristen was pregnant, I was offered a job overseas. Um, and so we moved overseas when our oldest was, I think, two months old. Um, so we moved to what? the little island of Malta wow. off the coast of Italy. Yep. <laughs> two months. And so we kind of, <laughs> yeah, I mean, his first probably more than two months, he lived out of a of a drawer in a dresser just because we were pack, packing up the house. We sold everything and we loved him dearly, but we didn't have a crib for him. So he was in a dresser <laughs> at grandma and grandpa's house. Um, and yeah, so that, that first one was big. What's it like moving around the world, Kristen, with a two-month-old? What does that do? I mean, two-month-olds aren't known for being like great sleepers, but how did that sort of affect you, particularly with your first kid? Yeah, I was just going to say for like first time mom, it was a bit overwhelming. Just, you know, what would the flights be like? And, you know, how would I adjust? He adjust? You know, we were moving somewhere where we didn't know anyone. And yeah, it was a little overwhelming at first. But, you know, it's kind of like moving to a different town you know, in your same state too. You just get out and meet people, make friends, and it all works out. <laughs> I have to, she's downplaying this a little bit because I moved there before her and our son moved. So not only was this just a little challenging as new parents, but she did it on her own. Wow. <laughs> so I was, I had already moved. I had to find us a house and a car and, and those type of logistics. And then I did not fly with, our two month old on that first flight. <laughs> you know, <laughs> luckily at that luckily at that age they tend to sleep a lot and we got lucky and he slept for most of the most of the journey. I think that's such an interesting period for a, a new mom though, right? When you have your first baby at that age, you just it's so completely absorbed by the newbornness of it. <laughs> You know, you're so new to it yourself. You don't really know what's going on. What what kind of a place did you find Malta to be? You know, was it welcoming to you? Did you find it easy to connect with other mums or other, you know, other people in general? Um, or did you have a little bit of a harder time with that? You know, I think a lot of mums find it hard to make mum friends at all, even in their hometown sometimes. So what was that experience like there? Yeah, um, that's a great question. We, uh, when we moved to Malta, we... Um, through Anthony's work, knew some families. So they were great about introducing us to their friends that had, you know, younger kids. Um, so that kind of got the ball rolling. And then, you know, I looked online, um, there were Facebook groups, and I just tried to, even though our son was so young at, I think about like six months, we started swimming lessons and started music classes and 
just to, you know, meet people, especially with children who were younger. So, you know, you at least have something in common right away. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a, a two-month-old, a six-month-old even can't really swim. It's more for the mums, isn't it? I, think it, I it did is. that with my first kid too. I was like, as soon as she turned like four months old, I was like into swimming lessons. Like yep. she could barely hold her head up. <laughs> yep. Now, you guys shared with us that, you know, previous to kids and, and previous to Malta, you guys were very outdoorsy people. Um, what is that outdoorsy experience like in Malta? You know, here in North America, Canada, and the US, we, we kind of have an experience or an idea of what camping looks like and you know what to expect. But when you went to Malta, would you say, was it more outdoorsy, less outdoorsy, or, or just different given given the culture and the climate as well? Well, it's a tiny island. <laughs> so... You don't have that much to work with, um, but there are, you know, different areas of the island that um, are really great for getting out in nature and exploring, going for walks. And they also do a really good job of um, having playgrounds everywhere. We just kind of did the playground rotation for a while, too. <laughs> and a lot of beach time. Yeah. You know, so we, you know, here in Minnesota, we do a lot of canoeing. We do boundary waters trips. We kind of traditional backcountry exploration that doesn't exist in Malta because the island is tiny, like very tiny. Um, and so if you want that that true nature experience, it's on the sea. So you have to go to the beach. Um, we had a small boat for a while. And so we could kind of go off on our own. We never went far from shore because I, we didn't really trust in our ability to find it again. Um, but we would at least cruise around and swim and snorkel and see that kind of outdoor experience there. And then we traveled, you know, so when we got felt a little cooped up by the, the island life, then we were a short flight away from North Africa and all of Southern Europe. Yeah, wow. amazing. That is the one challenge we have here in Canada. Then other than our lovely neighbors to the U.S., uh, it, it's very far to fly to other places, right? Versus in Malta, you actually are much shorter distance to so many other countries. Um, and you documented a lot of these travels on your blog and you shared a lot of great tips with traveling. And I, I kind of wanted to jump into some of those now because, you know, it can be really overwhelming to think as a new parent, whether you've got one kid, two kid or three kids, sometimes to go anywhere other than the local park down the street. So what are some of those top tips that you have uh, for someone who's looking for that big kind of first trip or first uh, you know, overseas destination with their little kids? I think the biggest one, especially, I mean, if you're working with like the newborns who can't talk and really express, you know, things that they would be interested in seeing or doing is to be flexible. I mean, I think that's just parenting in general, too. You just need to learn to be flexible, that you can have a plan. It can be a great plan, but there has to be kind of some wiggle room in there. And as I got older, you know, this comes from Kristen. She's an elementary school teacher, so she has you know the right background for dealing with young kids, not only as a mom, but also you know trained from a different aspect is we involve them a lot in the planning, and we still do. So whether we're going on our annual Boundary Waters trip or we're going overseas, they're very much involved in what we're going to do. Um, there's obviously limits to that, um, but they, I think each trip feel like they have a say in, in what they're doing. They have things to look forward to and they pack you know, special clothes or shoes or whatever it is for, for their activities. Mm -hmm. um, and that gets them excited and, and gets them to kind of put up with the, the other parts of the trip that aren't as, you know, maybe kid friendly or, or exciting. 
like jet lag. Um, <laughs> exactly. As, as you might have guessed from my accent, I'm from Australia and we just got back from five weeks in Australia in January. And I was like, ooh, jet lag with kids is super fun. Oh, um, yeah. I exactly. think one, one of the things that I know I've struggled with, you know, as a new parent when my kids were little, probably on one of those first trips to Australia um, with my baby was the gear. Um, and I mean, for, for a start, luckily, unluckily, um, the car seats that you have in North America are not compatible with the one the systems in Australia. So I didn't have the option of taking a car seat. But there's also all the other baby items. There's a, potentially a stroller and a carrier and a travel cot and a thousand clothes and all of these <laughs> things. And, you know, a hiking backpack for you to take and a day pack and a this and a that. How do you, how, when you were traveling with babies in particular, and now that your kids are sort of more six and eight, how do you decide which pieces of gear to take with you? You know, were you taking the stroller with you? Uh, were you taking car seats and travel cots? And how do you manage all that gear? Because the volume just really adds up. I mean, the first big trip that we took, we kind of had to bring everything because it was a move. <laughs> um, and then from there, you know, each trip that we did, we figured out what worked, at least for us and our family. And the trips that we did were mainly um, in Europe. And from what we found, we started always bringing a stroller. And what we found was, you know, it was hard to get through crowds. Um, the streets weren't always great. You know, they're bumpy. And it just, the stroller for us just seemed to be more of a pain. Um, and we ended up more lugging it around than actually using it. So we really switched over to a baby carrier and, you know, just being able to be hands-free uh, was a huge bonus um, for us. Going to Christmas markets, not having to, you know, dodge people and um, they just get so busy that this, it was a much easier way for us to get out and explore. Plus, there's mulled wine at these Christmas markets, right? You've got to have a hand free to have a <laughs> exactly. little drink of exactly. warm up, purely for safety <laughs> <Yeah>. reasons. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, we had um, Cassidy from Let's Talk Baby Wearing on the podcast uh, just a few weeks before this. Um, and we really talked about the benefits of baby wearing. And, and one of those benefits was that sometimes you're in places that aren't as accessible, um, you know, as North America. America here, we're used to having, you know, accessible accesses to stores and our sidewalks are large and, and hopefully you can get as many places as you need to using a stroller or mobility advice. But um, I remember when I was in Europe quite a while ago now, so things may have changed, but like everything's those beautiful cobblestone streets. Cobblestone exactly. streets are terrible <laughs> with a stroller. You're giving your kid like, yeah. like yeah. as you go down the yeah. If you were hoping for a nap, like you just woke the kid up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Particularly if you've taken like a, a travel one that maybe you were like, I'll pick up one super cheap and just take it just in case. Mm. And the wheels, you know how the wheels kind of start to buckle off the side. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> yeah, it would have been easier to just put a carrier on, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us when you're traveling as well, how you sort of decide where to stay with kids? What have you found that works for your children in terms of hotels or bed and breakfast or, you know, um, locations in the city or elsewhere? How, what, what sort of things do you look out for when you're booking accommodation to travel with your kids? More or less in general, we avoid the city, like big cities. And so, like, if we're going to visit a city like Barcelona, it's very rare that we would stay in the city. We'd stay outside and quite a ways outside. We always rent a car. Um, and then we would drive in and see the few things. Because one of the things we learned too is kids just don't like cities. 
they're not fun. And they're not fun for adults that have kids because, you know, they're loud and they're dangerous and there's cars and it, you know, it's just not as peaceful of a vacation as you could have. And so we kind of settled on in, in Southern Europe, especially these agriturismos. So they're kind of farm stays or agritourism stays. Um, and that was kind of our bread and butter for about five years. And some of them we stayed at every year. We do the same trip. We got to know the owners, but you know, the kids can run around, they can be kids, there's hiking. And then, you know, one we loved, uh, probably our favorite was outside of Rome. So if we wanted to go into Rome, we could just drive in, but they could sleep whenever they wanted. And it was, it was a lot easier and a lot more peaceful. I mean, we still got a lot of like cultural experiences from staying at these places, which is, you know, the reason that we travel is for that, you know, those cultural experiences. So I'm sure that'll change as well as your kids get older, you know, like you think of what a three-year-old can appreciate, I'm using air quotes, can appreciate about a city <laughs> like Barcelona, like probably not yeah. much, but maybe like a 12 and a 14-year-old, you know, it's going to be different when they're a bit older. But I love that idea of like, you know, you think of, and I think you mentioned at one of your blogs, you know, the top 10 things to see and like checking off a list. And as an adult tourist who can walk around all day and who's interested and understands like, I don't know, architecture and history and culture, you know, those things are great to check off a list to a three-year-old, a five-year-old, even an eight-year-old. Do they care? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they're not going to go tell their friends, oh, I saw this um, another amazing temple or, you know, a yeah. cool museum that we walked around for six hours. <laughs> exactly managing some expectations there i think on ourselves as well like when we go on these trips and we come back and it's like i I think jen and i have realized this with our kids it's still the same thing as when you're at home you know if at home you might get out for one big outing a day and maybe one smaller thing in the evening it's kind of the same when you're traveling with kids right like you can't when particularly when your kids are sort of under the age of six you can't be out all day oh, or can you am i mm-hmm. missing something there have you guys been able to figure that out because i can't <laughs> nope <laughs> nope that's that's it that's why we stayed at the farm so we could go do a morning outing come back have a nice home-cooked meal they could nap we could relax do an afternoon outing come back have dinner have some wine and they sleep and we can enjoy you know a peaceful evening on the farm and they're happy you know they're they're sleeping they have a routine then we have ours. Yeah, I really love that. It's really good to be realistic. Like you can do these bigger trips, but you're not spending 12 hours walking through downtown, you know, uh, Barcelona or Paris and stopping for coffee along the way and just sitting there and enjoying the scenery. Like you might do that for a two hour window and that's probably going to be it for the day. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the outside version. You know, we've talked about the traveling, which is really awesome. And you guys have this big trip that you guys do every year. You, you mentioned it a, lot, a few moments ago about the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness. I'm like, oh, where is this? Um, where you do this big canoe trip where you, you know, you go kind of out of cell range. And so is this something you did before kids, something you've done just after kids? Or how is this kind of big trip worked into, uh, yeah, one of your travels as well? I grew up going to the Boundary Waters with my family. So from probably six or eight years old, um, my dad lived in a town also when he grew up that bordered the Boundary Waters. He started it with his family, passed it down um, for my childhood. I luckily found a partner who is just as passionate about camping. And he also, he can chime in, but he 
camped a lot when he was younger as well. Yeah. So I did similar trips, long trips with the Boy Scouts when I was much younger. That's kind of where I learned these backcountry skills and off the grid skills. Because for people that don't know what the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness is, it's about as remote, I think, as you can get in Minnesota and in much of the U.S. Um, and it's all only accessible by boat and you know unmotorized boat. So you're in a canoe, you pack in everything. You pack in your food, you pack in, you know, a filter for your water, and then you go and you go as kind of far as you want, but there is no cell reception. You you need an emergency beacon if you get in into any trouble. That sounds like BC where we are here in Canada. There's a lot of places where there's no cell reception, you know, there's mountains kind of blocking it. Um, how yeah. have you found that you had to adjust that kind of um adventure when you had kids though? You know, like these sort of there's some trips that, you know, me and my husband did before we had kids, we haven't attempted them now that we do have kids, but how has that that transition been now that you take your children on those trips too? It has changed. It hasn't changed, I think, as much as you would think, but you know, one difference is we've gone to the same entry point, so the same kind of place you put your boat in the water every time with our kids. And part of that is just because it's familiar. Mm-hmm. And so we started these trips when our daughter was two years old. And I think we started with a probably a five night trip or probably six day trip, something like that. And we didn't go in as deep as we normally would. You know, usually we work pretty hard um, to get you know away from any signs of civilization. Um, but that first trip, we we obviously paired it back a little bit, and then each year we just add a little bit to it. So we kind of just push our boundaries just a hair, just enough that they feel like it's a new adventure. We feel like it's a new adventure, but. The rest of the trip doesn't really change, except for I think we eat a lot more peanut butter and jelly sandwiches than (laughs) I'd really like to eat. But, you know, we need meals that everyone's going to eat, and that happens to be one that works. (laughs) Yeah, you can't go wrong with peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. You know, it's a staple. It's easy to pack. You can make it, like, in the canoe, probably while someone's paddling. Someone else can just whip up a PB&J while you're in the middle of the canoe. Um, Now, on these trips, as amazing as they sound... Um, we know that things don't always go to plan and that sometimes things go wrong. So maybe let's start with this, you know, this beautiful camping trip and everything's great. What has gone wrong on those trips? Because while we want to, even though you have planned for everything, you can't plan for toddlers and small children. So we'd love if there were some stories about things that just didn't go the way you expected. We have a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think the one that stands out, and you you have similar weather where it's just very unpredictable. And so most people think of June as like, let's go summer. Um, in northern Minnesota, no. June is, <laughs> it, it can be summer, and then it can be something quite different. And so we went up, I think it was probably two trips ago, and it just happened to be freezing. And on these trips, you have to carry everything in. So we're very conscious about what we bring. We pack very light. Um, we don't have lots of changes of clothes for the kids. We have sleeping bags that are kind of custom picked out for the weather. Um, so we picked what looked reasonable. A cold front happened to move in um, with some rain. And so it brought nighttime temperatures down below freezing. And daytime was just like that miserable, probably 50s and rainy. I don't know Fahrenheit, but I know rainy. Yeah. We know <laughs> rainy. Cold. Sounds not great. Just barely <laughs> above freezing and rainy. We know that and- weather. We've had that weather for, what, six months now, Jen? <laughs> Vancouver is not yeah. known for blue skies at this time of year. So, yeah, we, we're feeling that. And, you know, frankly, I would prefer just winter weather 
over that with kids because winter weather is easier to keep them warm. Um, just because once they get wet, you're, there's not much you can do. Um, and so they have full rain suits that we always bring. They're about as good as can get. We try to stay under a tarp and our son who was probably six at the time had to go to the bathroom. So we're like, okay, let's unzip the rain suit, move all the stuff out of the way, get him ready to go. He goes off in the woods, he comes back and we look and he's soaked. And he had done all the right things, but just hadn't moved all of his clothes out of the way and filled his rain suit with, you know, (laughs) that pee he'd probably been holding for six hours. Inside the rain suit. Inside Inside the rain suit. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. And so it's freezing. It's pouring. We're kind of already, you know, a little nervous about what night's going to be because, you know, we don't have. And we're already wearing all of our layers. (laughs) We don't have much uh, wiggle room in the packing system. And so he ended up wearing like a pair of Kristen's like yoga pants and (laughs) random stuff we could find around. We had this whole system around the fire trying to dry it out after we washed it in the lake. And sure enough, the next day he did the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so funny. The next day did not learn that lesson, unfortunately, the first time. (laughs) Yeah. One would no. think that would be a fast, you know, quick lesson, but not in this case. Those rain suits, if you've got a really good one, right? Like they've got those sealed seams, so the water can't get in, yep. but it also absolutely can't get out. Cannot get out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, do you guys have any upcoming trips coming up? I know you guys are back in the U.S. now currently, but do you guys have any trips you're looking forward to this summer or in the next uh, 12 months where you're going to bring your kids? Yep. Our next uh, couple of trips are camping, all camping related for right now. So um, since the snow just melted, I don't know, last week, we did get a little dusting over the weekend. Uh, We're going to try to wait until I think the beginning, oh, which is coming up, the second weekend of May. We'll do some camping, just kind of refresh everyone. We just do a quick weekend camp. And then in June, we'll do a big Boundary Waters. Um, we try to go for about seven days, which is a long time in the Boundary Waters <laughs> for kids. <laughs> if they're peeing in their rain suit every day, if that's a long day. Yes, yes. Exactly. <laughs> um, and just to, to kind of sum up your experiences here, you know, you've, you do a lot of traveling, you do a lot of camping. What advice would you give to parents of of babies, but also older kids as well, who haven't really gotten into either traveling overseas with their kids or camping, what advice would you give to them about how to get started? We talk about this a lot, like, and especially when we're posting on Instagram and, you know, our trips are, they're our trips. They're reflective of our life, our experiences and our skill set. And that's, you know, a skill set and set of experiences that we've built over years, just that happen to be unique to us. And, we think families should think about it as what's unique to them and what's that kind of one step or 1% away from their comfort zone, you know? So to, to build these skills and to build that sense of adventure, you have to step outside of your comfort zone a little like otherwise it's not an adventure. That's kind of the definition of it. But if you step too far, it's hard to make it successful and kids, you know, whether it's, you know, we're just coaching softball tonight, whether it's coaching softball or it's traveling, they need constant, kind of positive reinforcement. They have to feel like it feels good. Mm-hmm. And so I think families should think that way. So like think what's something that's just slightly outside your comfort zone. It could be going somewhere in your state. It could be camping in your backyard if you've never done it before. 
it doesn't have to be a giant trip, but it should be something that's, you know, special and, and fun and that gets everyone excited and, and pushes the boundaries a little, but not so much that you're, you know, you can shoot the whole process down. I think there's also a degree of confidence that parents need to have because kids really pick up on that, right? Like yeah. when you don't know what you're doing and you're feeling nervous and anxious about how a trip's going to go, kids can pick up on that part as well. Um, Kristen, what advice would you have for, for new mums who are thinking about overseas travels with babies? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it kind of goes along the same lines, like just baby steps and it all you know, comes together, you can do as much planning and preparation, but I think just get out there, explore the unknown. Your kids too are going to start to emulate that and um, it'll just get easier once once you get started. <laughs> awesome. And if people want to follow along on your family's adventures and find some of these tips and tricks and uh, see some details about your trips, where can they find you online? We're most active on Instagram. So at from tent to takeoff is our handle. Um, and they can find our blog at www.fromtenttotakeoff.com. Awesome. Great. Well, we'll drop in all of those links to the show notes here. And I think, Jen, we're going to be looking at this new canoe area as well. I love canoeing. I know. I Maybe know. we can like Somewhere meet partway. Yeah, we'll come from Canada. I love it. Well, thank you so much, uh, Kristen and Anthony, for being on tonight and coordinating. We know how hard it is to get two people on a podcast. Never mind, four people on a podcast. Um, and for anybody listening in, we'd love for you to hit subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts. We have new episodes dropping every single week to inspire you to get outside more with your kids. And of course, you can reach us anytime over at Instagram at Get Outside With Kids. We'll be back next week with another fun episode.